Thank you, worship team. I don't often get to thank them, um, but like before you all at least, but I just really appreciate being able to um, minister to you every week with this group of individuals, and it's just been a blessing to work with them. Their many talents are evident, and I'm just so thankful that to just see them doing this when I'm not up here. I just get to enjoy that this week, so that's awesome. Um, Tim is on vacation, which is awesome. It's nice to be able to give our pastor vacation every once in a while. Um, I was just thinking about how he thanks people every week for their service in the church, various different ministries, he thanks them. Um, and he doesn't often get thanked because he's usually the one doing the thanking. And so, even though he's not here to receive that thanks, you know, I just want to uh, just express how thankful I am for him. Um, just being able to have him preach to us every Sunday and bring the word. Um, he's a very gifted individual, and it's just, it feeds my soul every week. Um, and just the way he feeds our flock and nourishes us and cares for us every week as, a, as our pastor, I'm just so thankful for that, and I hope you all are as well. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but his love language is words of affirmation. And so if any of you ever feel inclined to do so, always give him thanks and encouragement. Um, so this morning... We will be looking in the book of Proverbs. Um, it's a series we started three years or three weeks ago. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Tim asked me to preach on the fool in Proverbs. And as I was uh, getting ready for the sermon, uh, I just had the, the privilege of being challenged myself and um, just having my eyes open to so many things. So I hope that I'm able to uh, express what God has been doing inside of me this morning and share that with you. Let's all pray. Dear Lord, uh, I just pray that as we look into your word, as we look to the book of Proverbs to glean uh, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, I just pray, Father, that you would give us all a humble heart, a heart that's ready to receive your word and be changed. We just pray that you would move on us in your power and your ability to change us. Um, just allow us to leave this place with something to take with us, um, a new challenge, a new encouragement, something that is going to uh, change our lives. We pray, Holy Spirit, now that as I speak, that you would use my words, that you would um, go past my deficiencies, and you'd allow us to all hear from you this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, so, in our first sermon in Proverbs, Tim talked about the purpose and the theme of the book of Proverbs. Uh, the purpose of Proverbs is, help, is to help an individual gain wisdom, or knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Right, we talked about how knowledge is just gaining information, and understanding is knowing how to uh, apply that information, and wisdom is actually being able to do that. The theme, is, the theme of Proverbs is found in chapters 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. In the first chapter of Proverbs, Solomon sets up two opposing individuals. On the one hand, you have the person who seeks after wisdom, and on the other hand, you have the fool who despises wisdom and instruction. To the one who seeks after wisdom, the fool is antithesis to that. They are headed in the opposite direction. If the person who seeks after wisdom and gains it is the godly person, then the person who is foolish and rejects wisdom is the godless person. In today's sermon, we will be looking at that fool. In order to understand the fool, there would be a lot of negative things that we have to talk about at first. Um, however, I think it will be beneficial to us to discuss these uh, negative things. 
um, because I think it will help to strengthen our relationships with the people around us, whether they be believers or unbelievers, um, and it will help to strengthen our relationship with God. As I was studying and preparing this passage, Tim originally asked me um, if I could preach on the fool, and the passage in particular that he pointed to was Proverbs chapter 26, verses 1 through 12. However, as I was preparing um, and, I, and studying, I realized that although these verses speak to the same theme of the fool, and they all comprise verses that speak of the fool, it would be beneficial for us to go through. Um, I didn't necessarily have, I didn't necessarily see a structure or, or cohesion in this passage that demanded that we stay within that framework. And as I began to see um, through my study of broader commentary um, throughout the book of Proverbs, I thought it would be best for us to do more of a survey of the book of Proverbs as it talks to the fool. So we will be jumping around quite a bit. I know I don't have scripture for you this morning on the screen. I apologize for that. Um, if you need scripture for this, I can supply it for you afterward. However, we're going to be uh, quoting quite a few Proverbs as we go through this passage today. In the book of Proverbs, there are primarily three types of fools. And there's three levels of foolishness that are seen in these individuals. Um, first, you have the simple person or the naive person. And second, there is the fool, which, you know, is the same. But we'll talk about what that means more in a minute. So we have the simple person, the naive person, the fool, and then we have the scoffer. The scoffer is the last fool. Um, we'll walk through these different fools and see who they are and how they act. Now, the first fool is a simple person. The simple person is an individual who can easily be led in one direction or the other. This is the least extreme of the fools. Proverbs 14.15 says, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. This individual is marked by gullibility or naivety. Uh, this is the person who, although willfulness in their foolishness, um, it isn't necessarily an obstinance or beyond teachability. They aren't beyond reproof, necessarily. They may choose folly or wisdom, but it isn't necessarily because they have rejected instruction. Proverbs 1.4 states that one of the purposes of the Proverbs is to give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the youth. The simple person is often seen in conjunction with youthfulness. Um, there's this lack of experience that they have uh, and a lack of reason, and, and a reason they, that they lack knowledge, which is, which is from that inexperience. However, along with this lack of experience, a simple or naive individual is particularly, particularly susceptible to following the path of folly. Proverbs 15.21 says that folly is joy to him who lacks sense. And 1.22 says, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? We know that each of us is born with this sin nature. And the simple or naive individual in Proverbs is marked by this sin nature. When given the chance, they are naturally inclined towards choosing the path of sin or foolishness. Proverbs 27.12 says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple goes after that and suffer for it. His, this individual is still willful and responsible for their actions, even though there is a certain sense of innocence that is connected to their folly. They are not without responsibility or even willfulness in their actions. So the next type of fool that we see in Proverbs is the fool. Um, for lack of a better term, this is just a basic fool. Um, this is the most common type found in Proverbs. We see it over, nine, or set, over 70 times spoken of in Proverbs and over 90 times spoken throughout the Old Testament. 
Much like the simple or naive individual, this fool is bound to go after foolishness and bound to go after sin. However, unlike the simpleton or naive individual, this person is marked by a certain amount of moral perversion and resistance to God. So they have a certain amount of moral perversion and resistance to God that marks them. As we have already seen in Proverbs 1.7, fools despise the wisdom and instruction. In 122, it says, wisdom asks the question, how long will you hate knowledge? The fool isn't marked by an obedience or submission to God, but rather he takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion, as it says in Proverbs 18. Although the fool is marked by this um, stupidity in Scripture, it isn't necessarily a lack of intellect or mental capacity that marks a fool, but rather their spiritual deficiency that marks them. So although when we look through the book of Proverbs, we're going to see different passages where it shows the fool acting in in a stupid way, like we would see that and we would call it stupidity, um, the main marking of a fool in scripture is a lack of that spiritual, um, defi- is that spiritual deficiency. They don't want to understand the ways of wisdom. They have no desire for knowledge or understanding, as it says in Proverbs 1. This individual would rather espouse their ideas and opinions in life and follow their own wisdom than the commandments of God. Proverbs 10.14 says, The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. And chapter 14.9 says, Fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. The fool, rather than listening and taking in wisdom like the wise does, expresses their own wayward thoughts. They're quick to speak and slow to listen, as we have often heard in our lives. And where does this lead them? This leads them to a path of mockery of their sin. This leads them to an unrepentant state. It says that they mock the guilt offering. This guilt offering it's talking about is the offering that the nation of Israel would have to bring in order to pay for their sins, basically, in order to cover that sin. Um, this is the, the equivalent to us laughing at, our, at the seriousness of our sin and making a joke of it. Um, so that's, that's the fool. And this, this mockery leads us to the third type of fool, which is a scoffer, the most extreme fool in Scripture. Much like the fool, the scoffer likewise is marked not by mental deficiency, but a spiritual one. Uh, if a fool is marked by an open rejection of wisdom and instruction, then the, scarf, the scoffer or mocker seems to have an arrogant and cynical mindset that doesn't allow for any room for correction. Proverbs 13.1 says, A wise son hears his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Proverbs 15.12 says, A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. And Proverbs 21.11 says, Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Not only does a scoffer not want to gain wisdom or instruction, not only do they not want to be reproved or corrected, but he is outwardly hostile towards the idea of it. Proverbs 9.7 and 8 says, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. So we see that trying to go toe-to-toe with a scoffer or correct or reason with him oftentimes um, leads to insults being thrown our way. Um, And it can even lead us to a physical hostile response. Um, If someone is outwardly that hostile towards instruction or correction, there isn't much we can do for that individual. Rather than incurring harm upon yourself, sometimes the best thing you can do is walk away. We'll talk more about that in a, in a minute. So this three-part description of the, 
of the fool as seen in Proverbs uh, is by no means exhaustive, what I had just given you, because there are a lot of verses that talk about the nuances of how a fool behaves. But I think it shows us a clear description of the depravity of the human sin nature that leads to this foolishness. One, you have the simple, who is naive and gullible, but still has a natural propensity towards choosing sin and folly. They have the sin nature in them. Two, you, ha you have the fool, who is portrayed throughout Scripture as rejecting wisdom and correction. This leads to all sorts of foolish behavior that can be seen throughout Proverbs, and it is uh, seen throughout the rest of Scripture as well. And three, you have the scoffer, who not only won't be reasoned with or corrected, but is hostile to the very idea of it. This individual often appears to be on the point of no return. Now that we have an idea of who the fool is, I think we need to figure out how we should respond to this and how this affects our lives. So the first question I think we should ask is, how do we relate to the foolish person? How do we as Christians relate to the foolish person? Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making simple, wise the simple. 1.4 says that the purpose of Proverbs is to give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the youth, as we have already discussed. Proverbs 8.5 calls out, O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. The one who is simple, the person who lacks insight, and the individual who is naive or gullible, this individual needs direction and teaching and reproof. Proverbs 21.11 says that when a scoffer is punished, the simple becomes wise. So when the scoffer is punished, the simple becomes wise. This person, although they are inclined towards sin and folly, can be set in, a, in the right direction. Um, this simple person, their foolishness, when the foolishness of a scoffer or a fool is exposed, oftentimes a simple person is made wise. They need folly laid bare and corrected in order for them to be directed. Now if this is a non-Christian we are talking about, and this person needs the gospel shared with them. At the basis of it all, unless they have a changed heart and a changed spirit, um, they're not ultimately going to choose wisdom. Um, they need to understand the sin in their lives and how it leads to foolish decisions. They need to have their eyes open to Jesus before this change happens. Even though the openness of, of this individual to being set straight doesn't ensure that they will receive Christ, we can at least attempt to lead them in that direction and pray that the Spirit does His work. Um, so this individual, we can approach in their foolishness. I think that the simple-mindedness or naivety doesn't just apply to the unbeliever, however. Um, I think we can examine ourselves and look at our lack of understanding and our foolishness that we often display in our own lives, um, to each other and um, to the world around us. Uh, we all know that we don't become all-knowing, all-wise individuals when we get saved, right? That's why we're going through the book of Proverbs. It's supposed to affect, affect us in our lives today. If you're a believer, it should affect you in your life today. Um, we must grow in knowledge and understanding and gain that wisdom. As soon as we begin to think that we are wise enough, we have committed the greatest folly of all. Proverbs 26, 12 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So this is the same fool that I was talking about, that we just talked about a minute ago, who rejects wisdom, who rejects God, and goes the other way. This is the same fool who in, rejects knowledge and wisdom and instruction. So the question we ask ourselves is, is this us? Are we wise in our own estimations? Are we open to correction or reproof? I mean, it might be 
easy to answer that question yes right off the bat. But I think as we examine our lives and our attitudes and our response when we are confronted with our sin, when we are cr confronted when we are wrong, uh, whether that be a direct confrontation or we just see it or we're convicted, I think we can all admit that oftentimes we do reject that correction, we do re reject that instruction and we go the other way. When you read scripture, do you let yourself get convicted or do you do your best excuse to kind of go over those convictions, to kind of pass them over and make an excuse for them? How, you, how do you respond to your brother or sister in Christ if they come to you and confront you about something? I think that there has to be an open humility among the body of Christ to being confronted with our sin, whether it be through scripture, through God's conviction, or by an individual coming to us and showing us where we are wrong in order to help us. Our interaction with the simple fool or the individual lacking knowledge and understanding might seem like a doable task, but what about a relationship to the fool or the scoffer, the more extreme fool? So we're talking about an individual who doesn't care for wisdom or knowledge. Furthermore, they despise wisdom and knowledge. Well, the first thing that needs to be mentioned is that we are not out to fix people, right? We're not going to fix people ourselves. Um, sure, we desire to help people and um, lead them towards wisdom, but we're not going to ultimately fix them. But what we're trying to do is relate to people and show them Christ and be used by Christ in their lives, specifically when we're talking about a non-believer. Um, and we're also trying to avoid the pitfalls of being the fool in our own lives. When we think about how to relate to the fool, I think a good place to start is in Proverbs 26, 4 through 5. It says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. That's verse 4. In verse 5 it says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in your own eyes. So in those two verses, it seems to be a direct contradiction. Do not answer a fool, lest you be like him like yourself. Or answer a fool, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So you have this conundrum there, right? At first appearance, they seem to contradict. However, these two verses are just telling us the risk involved when we interact with a foolish person. We need to use discernment when we interact with someone who is openly hostile towards correction and reproof, towards wisdom itself. How many times have you been pulled into a foolish discussion or argument? Um, only to find yourself being lowered to that level of foolish discussion. Now, when I was writing this, I mean, I, I, I couldn't get past thinking of myself because by nature, I like to be an antagonist. My family knows that well. My wife knows it now, too. And, um, and I was just thinking about myself. Um, and I think maybe, I hope, hopefully... Um, well, not hopefully, but we probably all can relate to this on some level, right? Um, I couldn't help but think of a certain political leader in our country who likes to tweet arguments and cause conflict with anyone who challenges his foolish ideas or behavior. When someone like that is pushing your buttons, when someone like that is sending tweets, Facebook commenting, YouTube commenting, I mean, you just look at the social media that we live in today and how that just, that just encourages that behavior. Um, we need to be careful not to allow ourselves to be polluted or pulled down into that same foolish discussion, right? So it says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. We need to be careful about that. 
Um, on the other hand, we can't just let foolish talk and behavior run rampant, right? There needs to be wisdom used in discernment. So when an individual, individual is acting foolishly, sometimes the proper way to respond is to call them out and address their folly, bringing it to light. I think that's very important, bringing it to light. There's a lot of good that can come from doing this. Um, there is the potential that they can be set straight and turned from their way, but more importantly, um, by not just ignoring the fool and the folly of the fool, we can help benefit others by bringing that to light. We already saw in Proverbs 21.11 how it says that when a scoffer is punished, the simple becomes wise. Addressing and rebuking someone's foolishness sometimes might be, or someone who might be lacking wisdom or understanding, um, they might be able to learn something in that. We are bringing to light the foolishness on another person's behalf when we address that foolishness. So that's kind of how we should respond to the fool. Now, although there might be a good time to respond to someone's foolishness, we are, in general, in Proverbs, warned to avoid, we are warned to avoid the fool and his dealings. Proverbs 14.7 says, Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. So there isn't much to be gained in an argument or discussion with a fool at times. We are warned about the fool's character as well. In Proverbs 26, 6 through 11, we have several verses that talks about the character of a fool um, and how that affects us in such a, in such a negative way. Uh, verse 6 says, Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. So if we rely on a fool to do work for us, if we rely on someone to come through for us who's a fool, who, who shows that foolish tendency, it's like cutting off your own feet and drinking violence or poison. It's like ruin, harming or ruining yourself when you put your reliance on someone like that. Verse 7 says, Like a lame man's legs, which hang useless, is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. So although a fool might be able to write, recite some wise thing or some wise saying, if they don't know how to apply it, if they don't have knowledge, understanding, or wisdom, it's just useless. It's like a lame man, um, it's like a lame man's legs. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is one who gives honor to a fool. You know, in the Old Testament, we see in the story of David how he used a sling to kill Goliath. The sling was a, moder was a, um, a common tool used for hunting. Um, you'd be surprised how powerful a, swing, a sling could throw a stone. I mean, you killed Goliath with, with a stone, and you could kill an animal with a stone like that. Um, but if you tie the stone inside the sling, it's useless. The stone can't leave the sling. And so the one who gives honor to a fool is just misput, it's misplaced. Um, a fool who is honored. Um, that, that also makes me think of so many people in power who are just, you know, it seems that it's misplaced, right? And so I was just thinking about that as I was reading this. Um, like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. A drunkard, they're drunk. They can't feel pain. They can't feel um, the piercing of a thorn. So they're dulled to that. So like a, like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. It's just useless when it comes from them. Um, so there's, there's a lot of verses that talk about the foolishness of a fool and how it can affect us negatively if we're interacting with a fool or if we are being a fool, how we can... Um, affect others negatively. Verse 11 says, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. So the fool doesn't just act in a foolish way, but they like their fool. They return to it. They don't remember um, the, fool, the, 
on the negative consequences that came from their foolishness. They just go back to it repeatedly. So we can see from this passage, as well as many other verses in Proverbs, if we were to look at the fool throughout Proverbs, um, that there's a negative effect on the people around them that the fool causes. So likewise, when dealing with a scoffer, we are mostly warned to avoid the pitfalls that come with, with dealing with a scoffer. We are advised to drive out a scoffer and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. So as we've waded through a good deal of scripture to get to this point, I hope it's clear who the fool is. Um, regardless of the extreme to which an individual is a fool, the state is the same. A fool is a person who lacks and or has rejected wisdom. So ultimately, when we look at wisdom in the scope of scripture as a whole, we see that true untainted wisdom comes from one source, God. And so a fool, in plain terms, when we look at scripture, is an individual who has rejected God and has not accepted his wisdom. Right, we go back to chapter 1 when, in Tim's introductory sermon when he says that our source for wisdom is God's word itself and our source for wisdom comes from God. Without that godly wisdom, we have the wisdom of the world and it is very limited and it is not the same. Um, there are many ways we can act foolish, but the greatest foolishness of all is to believe in your thoughts and your wisdom above all else. Right, to put ourselves at that level where God is. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 25 talks about this. Um, it, it really shows us the divide between the fool, the wisdom of the world, how that is foolishness, and the wisdom of God, how that looks like foolishness to the world. So I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25. It says, For the word of the folly, or for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. So where is the one who is wise, and where is the scribe, where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So what is this folly that, that is folly to the world? For the Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, it is Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So Christ and the message of the gospel... I mean, as I was looking at the sermon, we can just stay in Proverbs and just talk about how to behave, right? But ultimately, when it comes down to it, it's heart change. It's Christ in us, you know? And if Christ is not in us, that heart change doesn't happen, right? And so Christ and the message of the gospel is the ultimate source of wisdom. The cross may seem like a foolish thing to an unbeliever, as it says in 1 Corinthians. And their own cleverness and their own reason might seem like the ultimate source of that wisdom. But the cross reveals God's master plan of salvation. And in that plan, we see that Christ was both the power of God, revealed in his life, death, and resurrection, and, it, and he is the wisdom of God. In the plan of salvation, the foolishness of the world is ultimately revealed in the rejection of Christ. So since Christ is the wisdom that this world ultimately needs, that any foolish person can only receive through faith, we need to see the fool as an individual who needs Christ. When we're acting when we're interacting with a fool as an unbeliever.
we need to approach our relationship with a foolish person in that manner. Um, I know that we just went through scripture passages that talk about the depraved nature of the individual, of this fool and the scoffer who has rejected wisdom and instruction, but we need to always remember that the fool is never beyond reaching for the gospel. And we talked about the scoffer, how it appears that they can be a past the point of no return. You have to just avoid them altogether. However, we have to understand that no one is beyond reaching. We are never give up on the spiritually lost and foolish. At the very least, we should be in constant prayer for them. Um, and we should always be seeking to see their foolishness challenged and broken without giving ourselves up to that same foolishness, right? If it is appropriate, we want to try to lead them to Christ. Um, I think a good example we can look at in Scripture for how this happened is to look at the Apostle Paul himself. When we look at his life on how he was pulled from his foolish ways into grace by Christ on the road to Damascus, um, he had rejected Christ. He was killing Christians. He was rounding up Christians to execute them. You know, the gospel of Christ, he was absolutely 100% against. You know, when we talk about what foolishness in Scripture is, uh, he had the foolishness of the world, and he rejected the, foolish, or the wisdom of God, right? Um, and what was his response to this? When he was confronted with the wisdom and the power of Christ, he was un- overwhelmed and unable to resist the call to salvation. And so my desire for us is that we wouldn't approach a foolish person, approach an individual who rejects the gospel, approach someone who just has no desire and, and no inclination to want to hear at all. Um, my encouragement for us is that we don't underestimate the power of God to bring someone to salvation. So this is the same God who reject, guy who rejected the gospel and was killing Christians. Um, we should think about Paul's state before that. And we, can sit and we can think about how he changed after that. And Peter, I think, is also another example that we can get from Scripture. Um, we know that on many occasions Peter acted foolishly. Oftentimes when he spoke in the New Testament, he was saying something really stupid, right? Especially in the Gospels, right? And so Jesus, at one point, even said to him, Get behind me, Satan, right? He's doing the will of Satan, someone who is absolutely opposed to God. When Peter refused to accept that Jesus was going to go to Jerusalem and be killed... He just rejected the idea, and he was just shooting it down. And so Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. If we remember in John, it was Peter who instinctively, when the guards came to arrest Jesus, it was him who cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest, right? Um, Yet we see that God was able to change him and use him in a way in which he was the leader of the early church, right? Um, Jesus even said to him, Peter, you're the rock on which the church is built, he was going to be the leader of that early church. I'm sure we can think of fellow believers, or even ourselves before we were Christians, or even us now, who act in a foolish or scornful way. Um, I think we can, we can look at foolishness in our own lives, and we can see that the power of God is at, is at work. Um, because if he can change us, you know, you can look at yourself. Everyone knows, everyone in this room knows how sinful you as an individual is. We don't know how sinful each other are, right? We know our own minds, at least, you know. Christ knows our hearts. But if Christ can change us, then he can change someone else. Um, So as Christ bears and sons and daughters, we have received and believed the wisdom of Christ, which is found in the gospel. um, And we have accepted that foolishness that is foolish to the world, right? So even now as we, even now we need to take a lesson from the fool and always come to Christ in humility willing to have him work in our lives.
Proverbs 22 says, Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Right? The individual who elevates himself and his thoughts and his words above God. How many of us can truly say that we have never been this person? How many of us can say that we haven't been this person since we came to Christ? You know, so we are not, we are not, um, we are not safe from falling into the trappings and the pitfalls of a fool. Let us always receive conviction of sin and receive the wisdom and instruction that is found in the person of Christ and in his word. Um, as we are going to be talking about in the book of Proverbs until the end of the sermon series, it's a book of wisdom. It's a book of instruction and knowledge. And as we are hearing these words, I just pray that we are all open to being challenged and instructed and convicted. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, um, just we thank you for changing us. We thank you that we don't have to be foolish, that we can be wise. Thank you that Christ was the ultimate foolishness to the world and wisdom and the master plan of salvation that, that you laid forth before time. Lord, we just, uh, we just look for you, to you for that knowledge and understanding and wisdom and we just pray that uh, you stir in us a, a desire to know you, a desire to follow you, a humility um, to stand before you knowing that we are not wise apart from you that our wisdom is like folly before you, and that um, you know, we, are, we are not strong in ourselves to be wise and, and do that, Lord. I just uh, pray for us as we go this week that um, you, would, you would allow us to be able to be uh, lights for you, that you would allow us to express wisdom in our dealings with an individual we might come with who is foolish, and I just pray that you would guard us from foolishness and falling into those behaviors and pitfalls that are expressed by someone who has rejected you, someone who does not want to be uh, led by you. Um, praise the things in Christ's name. Amen.